Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father, we thank and exhort you once again. We come before you, Lord, to receive instruction with a mindful light, wisdom, and understanding. We ask for revelation of your word. The things that we've never known before, we demand God that you expose them to us to cause us to walk in the light of thy spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so um, we're going to continue. There's going to be part two of our new series on the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. Uh, I'm convinced last week when we started this, some of you were able to see some light in the scriptures, and I also want to believe that tonight the Lord is going to speak to us. And there are some things that I'm going to touch that may shock you, of the things perhaps that you, you thought you know, but essentially they are not exactly what you think they are. Praise God. So, the difference between a believer and an unbeliever, part two. Again, our test is from Ephesians 4, reading from verse 17. Ephesians 4, reading from verse 17. These I say therefore, and testify in the law, that ye henceforth walk not, as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. We dealt with that expressly last week. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Hallelujah. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to walk all uncleanness with greediness. But they have not so learned Christ. Christ has to be learned. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That may put off concerning the former conversation, that's lifestyle, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Praise God. Alright, so we're going to be dealing with verse 18 tonight. Which says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their hearts. The blindness of the hearts, same thing as hardness of hearts. So, the key point is understanding. Having their understanding darkened. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4.18 That's what we're dealing with. Having their understanding darkened. Amen? The word darkened there is a Greek word that means deep thought. Properly, the faculty, mind, or is disposition. By implication, 
is exercise, imagination, mind, understanding. All of those things I just mentioned, they come from the word understanding in the Greek. So here we're talking about men that have their thoughts darkened. The faculty of the mind or the disposition of the mind, they have no light in it. They walk along in darkness. By implication, their imagination, the mind, their understanding, they all outside of that which is called light. Praise the Lord. The one thing I need you to pick also is light and darkness. Darkness actually means ignorance. Light speaks of understanding and wisdom. Praise the Lord. The darkening of the understanding comes from two sources. Now I'm talking about those who are not in the faith. They have darkened mind, darkened understanding, and that makes them to be alienated. When you take off somebody who is alien, somebody who is not in a common way or in a community, no relationship. So what separates the unbeliever from the Christ? Understanding. What makes the man in the street you call unbeliever different from the one that is a household of faith? Understanding. So what separates men from God is understanding. Once your understanding is darkened, that is to say, you know, working in the light, as we're going to be seeing, of the gospel of life, you are alienated, you are a foreigner to the body of Christ. Don't forget we're dealing with the difference between a believer and the unbeliever. So by implication, the man that's a believer has got in his understanding what? Enlightened. Light has come to his understanding. So you see, the difference between a believer and your believer is simply knowledge. Knowledge that we're going to be seeing much, much later. But let's see from scripture, Acts chapter 26 verse 17, Paul was saying this when God gave him the commission on the road to Damascus now. 26, 17. God speaking to him said, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentile unto whom now I send thee. That again, she gave a little instruction that when you came from the wall, God ends up sending you back to the world. Is that okay? That is where the issue of soul winning is. In fact, it's not negotiable. It's not something you discard. You came out of the world, He sent you back to the world as light. So that you go and lighten those who are in darkness. Verse 18. He said to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. The power of darkness. From the power of Satan unto God. That's what he's saying there. By implication from the authority and dominion of Satan. For you see, as the kingdom is in darkness, the ruler is in darkness, even those who are in that kingdom, they also were in darkness. Hallelujah. And those who live in this darkness are under his dominion. And he has authority over their lives. Okay. 
So first of all, let's look at Colossians 1 verse 13. And then we'll come back here. Colossians 1 13. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into what? The kingdom of his dear son. We've been delivered from that realm. Now the man in the street is still in that realm. What realm? The realm of the power of darkness. And what's responsible for that? Darkness. That has to do with understanding. Are we getting together? Right. So the man in the street, we have been delivered. We have been set free. We'll be brought out of that realm. By implication, we've received light. Like I tried to explain on, on Wednesday last week. Light has come into our spirit man. And so understanding have been granted unto us. As compared to the man that is still in the street. Whose spirit have not received the light. Don't forget. God, the Bible tells us, is the father of all flesh and all spirit. Are we together? Right. So here we are told that we have been delivered from the power of darkness. By implication, help me Lord. Power of darkness can no longer deceive us, can no longer fool us, can no longer subdue us. So you begin to see where scripture says, the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Hallelujah. By implication, the devil cannot atween you. No, no, no. No deception of the enemy can penetrate your spirit. At this point in time, because you receive light, glory to God. You have received light into your spirit. You've come to become a candle that is set on a hill. So the darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness can overcome it. The darkness cannot subdue it. Praise God, somebody. Alright, so that's what he's saying. Now, so what's the difference between you and the man in the street? Understanding the wisdom and the revelation of God that you have not gotten. You just need to get that. Praise God somebody. The deliverance when light comes in. Remember what God told. We'll go back now to the book of Acts 26 verse 18. You see what I'm saying there. Acts 26 verse 18 again. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Now what was the deliverance here? Mm. Paul was delivered. Right? <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying now? How was Paul delivered? Remember, Colossians 1, 13 said we've been delivered. So how were we delivered? If deliverance is what we have always assumed deliverance to be. Light break forth in your spirit. And that's the deliverance. So understanding was coming to Paul right here on the road to Damascus. Just to separate him from what he used to do in terms of killing people and getting religious about what he believed. Light came and began to understand that the way he was walking was not the way he was supposed to walk. He was delivered. I'm delivering you by giving you light. And you can see that from John, I mean Luke chapter 4. The spirit of, of the Lord is upon me because I'm not telling me to preach deliverance. Can you get that? Come on, is anybody following this? Okay, to do what? To preach deliverance. So deliverance is meant to be preached. And so now you preach deliverance to Paul. He was set free. And we have been delivered from the power of darkness. Many light has come to us. Therefore darkness cannot comprehend our lives. Cannot overcome us. Satan who is supposed to be the authority or the dominion or the power in that realm. No longer have influence in our spirit. By implication, the only way the devil really held power over you is to influence your thinking. 
Did you get that? It's to confuse your thinking. Praise God. So those who live in darkness who have not been delivered, which is supposed to be in the unbelievers now, it's all because they have not heard all the gospel have not been preached to them, which is the deliverance. He said the deliverance, I mean the Lord have anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. Who are those who are in the captive? Those who are under the influence of the darkness and the power of Satan. Now the Lord has sent me to preach deliverance. Praise God somebody. Mm-hmm. And so in Colossians 1.13 again like I said, we've been delivered. What is that supposed to mean? We have light. Understanding have come to us. Therefore, the satanic influence of deception, of dominion, no longer have influence over our lives. Praise the Lord somebody. So, the good news of the gospel of Christ, it will deliver the man's soul from that state of spiritual darkness and wretchedness into the glorious light and liberty of the kingdom of God, which is now the liberty of God's children. That's what he's saying there. Look at verse 18 now. Verse 18. To open the, their eyes, those I'm sending you to, and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. What's the power of Satan? Ignorance, darkness, deception. Can you say that? Praise God. That they might receive what? Forgiveness. In other words, when you have understanding that Christ died for you, you receive your forgiveness. You believe with your heart, you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you are saved. Light comes into your spirit. The power that rules, that suppressed you before, is taken away by reason of the light that is coming to you. Praise the Lord. And that light simply means what? Understanding. Because what we said before in Ephesians 4.18, they are alienated from the very body of Christ through what? Their ignorance. They have their understanding darkened. What that means is wrong thoughts, wrong perception, wrong belief system have crowded their mind that they can't see who Christ is. They can't even see what Christ has done. Praise the Lord. So here we come into the kingdom of his dear son, which has to do now with the very liberty that all of God's children have begun to experience. We're no longer under the power of the authority of Satan. Praise God. Are we here? Now I want to share something with you. See in Corinthians 4, like I told you before, that we read 3 and 4. I made it to understand there are two factors responsible for the darkened mind of the people who have not been able to come to the light of God's truth. Two factors are responsible. So the first one we just dealt with is the darkness of the heart of those people through the influence of satanic power as it continues to deceive them, as it continues to corrupt their thinking and their mind, their thought pattern not flowing in the light of God's spirit. Praise the Lord. Second factor I want to share with you, this may shock you, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 5. But if our gospel, remember, the darkness has to do with, I have preached deliverance to them, but they will not receive it. Is that okay? Right. He came to preach deliverance so that they can have light. So men who have not received deliverance is because they don't have light in their spirit man. So here in 2 Corinthians 4, from verse 3, the Bible says, But if our gospel be hid, it is he to them that are lost. 
He said, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them, follow it now, which believe not, the unbeliever, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. Did you get that? Now this year I want to shock you. But first of all, take it. If our gospel, remember the gospel is a sort of deliverance, source of light, that enlightens the mind that I've been darkened. If it's continuously hidden, it's because the God of this world have blinded their mind. Let them accept it. Let them believe it. By implication, you can still be in the church and you have a dark mind where you don't believe in the efficacy of the gospel of Christ. You are still working under the, under darkness. You are still working as an unbeliever. And often I refer to such people, they are unbelieving believers. Somebody say, what kind of definition is that? You see, the Bible tells me, the children of Israel could not enter the promised land because of unbelief. Am I correct? But they were supposed to be believers ordinarily. Am I right? They were believers. They were the congregation of the children of God. They have the law. But they could not enter the promised land because of unbelief. So they were what? Unbelieving believers. They are in church, but they don't believe. Hallelujah. So that will tell us something too. Sometimes those of us who are always sick in the way we are supposed to be or the way we are, we, we, we can also say that though we are in the church, we have not really believed into the aspect of what Jesus did by setting us free. By his stripe, you are healed. Until that becomes a revelation, sickness will not leave our bodies. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying now. Praise the Lord. So here we are talking about the blindness and the heart of men that makes it difficult for them to believe the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the very son and image of God. Let's go shine on them. But you know, if you read the scripture down, the Bible says, and that God has commanded a light to shine in darkness, has shined that light. Let's read it now a little bit. Verse 5, we'll come back here. I want to show you something about the God of this world. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, ourselves and servant for what? For Jesus' sake. Is that okay? So you keep on reading, and you come to that spot where it says, and the God who commanded a light in the beginning, has commanded a light to shine where? In our hearts. Did you get that? How did he command a light? Let there be light. That is why when the Bible said, darkness was upon the face of the deep. He wasn't talking about the ocean. He wasn't talking about wherever, not the forest. The darkness or the ignorance in the heart of men. And God commanded the light, understanding, to come into the heart of people. That's what happened. The sea, you see, that speaks of multitude of people. Find out the book of Revelation. There was no more sea. Is that okay? Right. So God commanded the light to shine into the darkness. It's like Christ coming to our hearts. All right. So now let's move on to verse 4 again. First Corinthians. Look at that verse 4. In whom the God of this world. Now. Oh man. So those whose minds are blinded are the unbelievers. Is that okay? And this is done by the God of this world. 
And because they believe not, their minds continue to remain where? In darkness. And proper subjection, if you will, to the influence of Satan. To work on them. That is to say, they depend on darkness to live. And they keep on increasing in darkness by reason of the hardness of their hearts. Now I want you to take it because it's very serious in where I'm going to. Men walk in the darkness because of the hardness of their heart. And the more they stay in the darkness, the more they get used to the darkness. Acclimatization. When you acclimatize. Is that okay? Right. They get used to darkness. At a stage, it's like they're even seen. If you stay in darkness for a long time, if light goes off in the first instant, you start trying to get your eyes to get used to the darkness. And if you stay there for about 30, 20, I mean, up to one hour, you begin to see faintly. Am I correct? You begin to see faintly, even though there's darkness, because you're already used to that. Your eyes are struggling to catch up with light. So there is a way you walk in darkness that you can't even see anything anymore, even though you're struggling to see some stuff. You're just there in darkness. You get used to darkness. You begin to enjoy darkness. Praise the living God. So hardness of heart is one of those things that men continue to walk in. Now remember, I'm talking to you about the believer and the unbeliever. Hallelujah. Okay, now. The question I want to ask is this. Who is this God of this world that blinded the people's mind? That is where I want to shock you now. Now, the common understanding or answer you give to me is Satan. Hallelujah. All right. Let's call it Satan. But I have good news for you this time around. I want to make you understand that the God of this world, now what is it? The God of this world. The God of this world. When you check that word out in the original Greek, it's actually talking about Father God, not Satan. And I'll make you see two scriptures to confirm what I just told you. This is not talking about Satan. There are two sets of people that are blinded that I'm going to make you see. The Gentiles and the Jews. Is that okay? And God is responsible because of the hardness of their hearts. Hmm. This is going to surprise you now. Praise the Lord. So, you see, you can't use the word the Satan. No. You always say the word Satan. Is that okay? Satan. Probably you can say the devil. Satan, the devil. Right. But when we talk about the God of this world, let me explain this to us. What makes us think that Satan owns this world? In the first place. Because he said the God of this world, that means he's the one ruling. But scripture never condemned that to us. There's no scripture that says that devil is ruling the world. Everywhere you read through scripture, the Bible makes you understand God is in charge. Am I correct? <laughs> That's why I said, I'm going to shock you. Hallelujah. So here we are talking about the supreme being, not the devil. You got to understand that. What is happening is, God, as a judge, have the power to subject some people to darkness because of the hardness and unbelief in their hearts. I'll make you see a scripture right here. But first of all, 1 Timothy 1.17, and that's what the Bible says, 1 Timothy 1.17. 1 
You can get it. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honored and glory forever and ever. In other words, God is eternal, is the only wise God, is the Lord of lords, is the king of kings. Satan is not the God of this world. I know that's going to be hard. He can only rule those who are under his influence. If you say Satan is the God of this world, that means you are also part of the people that Satan is ruling. But you see, God rules all men. Satan doesn't rule all men. Is it making sense? Praise the Lord. Okay. You may ask, what about, thank you, Father. Mighty chapter 4, verse number 8 and verse 9. Let's read that. Because that will be the next question you may ask me. Mighty 4, 8 and 9. And again, the devil took him up into a city high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Look at the next thing. And said unto him, all these things will I give to thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. In other words, here, what we have always preached and believe is, okay, get this point right, Satan owns the world and he want to give it to Jesus. And I remember when we were young in the faith, we used to sing that song. Right? Sit and take the wall and give me Jesus. Have you, have you heard that song before? Okay, who is giving the wall to Satan? You are the one giving the wall to Satan. He doesn't hold the wall. Religious madness and ignorance makes you to sing the song. Satan, take the wall and give me Jesus. Can Satan even give you Jesus? Think about the religion you're singing. Here, let me tell you this. Go back to verse 8. Which high mountain? Which high mountain? Look at it. And again, the devil take him up into a exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. So the question is, which mountain will you climb and see the whole world? Even in Mount Everest, which is the highest mountain in the world, you can climb there and see the whole world. And Mount Everest is not in Palestine. So which mountain was this? You don't have the highest mountain in Palestine where the temptation happened. So which mountain was the devil taking Jesus to climb there? The mountain of his own imagination. Did you get that? It was his thought pattern. As soon as the Lord said that, my beloved son, a lot of thoughts began to flow through his mind. Now I can do this. Now I can do that. Now I can do this. Now I am the son of God. If God owns the world, I own the world. All manner of things begins to come. But I like, just show me one mountain you can climb and see the whole world, except the mountain of your imagination. You can see it here now, you are in London. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You can just close your eye now, you are on an aeroplane. You are already flying to London, but you are here. Your imagination will take you anywhere. Praise the Lord. So there is no mountain you can climb and see the whole world. But how Jesus was picturing the glory of the world. He beginning to see much more. Even as God already made him known or has revealed in his word the glory of the whole world. So it's like saying, it's about time you take charge. Praise God. But he rebuked that. Because he also walked by the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? The sons of God. He got to realize that there's a point at which he would truly own the world. How many of you understand he said the same thing in the book of Matthew? 
Go ye baptize. 28. Write the nation, the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the Moon. That all power in heaven and earth is given to who? To me. Hallelujah. So here he was attempting to have it without time. The due process, the timing was what was the issue here. When he took him to the pinnacle, it was a religious spirit. When he talked to him about bread, that was the economy. Hmm? Economy, religion, politics, are the three things with which Jesus was tempted. You just take a look at that. Hallelujah. Come on, are you following what I'm saying here? Right. And all of those things with which he was tempted, they all goes into the area of power and dominion and authority, rulership. Want to be the Pope of the church? Pinnacle. Huh? Right. What do rule the whole world? Political. Turn stone into bread. Economy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just need you to see all of this in playing out. So, what I'm trying to make you understand is this have nothing. There is no scripture that actually tells us that Satan is the owner of this world. No scripture to that. Read your book. Praise the Lord. Oh. So, when men say that devil owns the world, God never says so. Because there's no scripture that says God said the devil owns the world. No scripture to that effect. God never said that. We only talk this. Now, if you even if you think this is the devil talking here, how many of you believe that the devil is always alive? Why do you want to believe what he said? He said, I own the wall. And you don't believe that he owns the wall. But you already know that this man is a liar and the father of lies. Why do you think what he said is the truth? This is just an assertion. This is just like a presumptuous spirit, if you will. If you want to take it to be the devil. I was speaking from somewhere. Praise the Lord. So here we are not dealing with this attribute of the blinding of men's eyes to the devil, but to God himself. That's why I said when you check the original word, the God of this world, you'll be able to see that it's not talking about the devil, but talking about God. Now I'm going to make you see something here. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Glory, glory. Isaiah chapter 6. Let's look at this. Verse 9, maybe. Isaiah chapter 6. Okay, I think we can read it very fast. Go with me to verse 1. Let's look at it very fast because there's something that's going to connect. I intend to preach on this before. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his trail filled the temple. His trail filled the temple. Was the trail there? The glory. I'll make you see that. Now go down. Above his stood the seraphim, and each of them six wings, with twin, they cover his face, and with twin, they cover his feet, and with twin, he did fly. Just move on. Verse 3 says, And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. 
the whole earth is full of what? His glory. That Jesus said, the more we declare the glory of God by saying God is holy, the more we talk to one another, we release God's glory on the face of the earth. The more we preach about the glory of God, the goodness of God, we fill the earth with His glory. Hallelujah. Move on. Verse 4. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with what we spoke. Which is what comes from the incense, the glory of God, if you will. Next thing, verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me, for I'm unclean, because I'm a man of a clean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of a clean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. In other words, when you see the Lord, you die. Moses said that. So that's the kind of confession he was coming into now. Just like what happened to Manoah and the son. We've seen God. We're going to die. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But we know that the glory of the Lord was not just something else. But that's Christ himself. I'll make you see that. Go down. Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto, seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he has taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he said, verse 7, And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched my lips, and thy iniquity, me thy lips, and thy iniquities is taken away, and that same word purge. Now remember, we're dealing with now Isaiah. Look at the next thing. Also I have the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. Mm-hmm. And the next thing. And he said, do what? Go and tell these people, ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Hallelujah. Come on, can you say anything there? Now, if you were the one commissioned to go and preach this kind of gospel, how will you handle it? Go tell them, see, they will not see, hear, even though they are hearing, they will not hear, they will not understand. Just go and tell them that. Are you listening to me? Go with me now to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Let's read from verse, verse 37. John 12 verse 37. And I want you to follow it. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. On who now? On Jesus. Remember, his trail filled what? The temple. He had done so many miracles, they not believe on him. Verse 38. That. Can you see anything there? The saying of Hazar the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake. Lord, who have believed our report? And to whom are the arm of the Lord revealed? The next thing. Therefore, they could not believe because that Isaiah said again. What did he say again? Look at the next thing. He had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. So who blinded their mind? Come on, are you with me? 
The very prophecy of Isaiah is what made the children of Israel not to believe what Jesus was doing. Hallelujah. Come on, are you with me? Look at verse 4. I mean, look at the next verse, which is verse 41. This thing says Isaiah, when he saw his glory and spoke of him. When was that? Isaiah chapter 6. Is it making sense to you now? So who blinded your mind when you said the God of this world? Which, which? <laughs> was it Satan that gave this word to Isaiah? That was God himself. Praise God. Oh man. Look at verse 42. But I want you to catch this. Verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Let it should not be, let you put out of what? Out of the synagogue. Amen. I mean, did you get anything from that? The blindness of the heart of the Jews was a fulfillment of the prophecy of, of Isaiah. So though Jesus went to the temple doing all the signs and wonders and miracles, they will not believe. They cannot bypass the prophecy. That's why I keep saying, mind will prophesy over your head. Because it can hold on to you. Amen? So for the Jews, the blindness of their heart, remember we are dealing with, the blindness has to do with why it is difficult for the glorious gospel of Jesus to shine upon them. Ephesians 4, 8, 9 is saying they are separated or alienated from Christ or from his body through what? The ignorance that is in them by reason of the blindness of their hearts. No understanding. So the first set of people that have experienced blindness here are the Jews. Now let me show you what the Gentiles experience. Romans chapter 8 I mean 11 8 and 10 or 8 to 10. Romans 11 According to his written, God had given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear until this day. Look at the next thing. And David said, Let their table be made one a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Verse 10 says, Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back always. He is still dealing with the Jews here. When it comes to the Gentiles, you go to Romans chapter 1. We said that last week. Remember that? Because they fail to acknowledge who God is. He gave them over to what? A reprobate mind. So you see, here again, talking about the Jews. So when David is saying, may their table become a snare. What is he trying to say? May their services not have light. May their eyes be darkened. May they bow down. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, ye that are heavy lady, and I will give you what? Rest. This is what he's saying here. May their table, their services become a snare, a trap unto them. And may they bow down, let them carry a heavy load upon them. Praise the Lord. So you see, you can be in the house and yet be a load carrier in this sense. They were supposed to be the children of Abraham, but they were carrying load. Jesus came to relieve them of that load. Come unto me, yet I have a lady. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My, it's about now they will not see believe that. 
But why would they not accept or believe that? Because the prophecy of Isaiah was walking in their lives. Are you getting this? Praise the living God. So, all they speaking of the same people, of the willful rebellion, obstinacy, and unbelief, and the great God of heaven, and the earth is the one that judiciously blind their eyes, makes their heart fat, that is to say, stupid. <laughs> Give them the spirit of slumber, and cause them to bow down. With heavy load of religious activity. Hmm? I was speaking with somebody this afternoon and he told me. Wednesday we are permitted. Friday we are permitted. Sunday we are permitted. I said, so what day do you have for anything else? He started looking at me. You are permitting on Wednesday. You are permitting on Friday. You are permitting on Sunday. The word is, we give ourselves to prayer and the word. And that is because the individual leading this set of people feels that he's a prayer warrior or his minister of founded on prayer because it's called prayer network. That's how men get deceived. Religious worship. Now I was trying to make this, I see one or two scriptures, he has no clue as to what I was talking about. Because all they know is prayer. Now ask the question, what do you really pray for? Three days in a week, all you do is prayer. What do you pray for? You pray for breakthrough, itself. You pray for open door, itself. You pray for enemies to die, itself. What are you praying for? You are just being selfish in all your prayers. And these are the things that drives you Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Religion. Everybody, bind down. God has given the spirit of slumber. Stupidity. Hallelujah. Oh God. So here we're dealing with God. Now, go now to Romans chapter 1 verse 20. So the first set of people that are blinded here, like I'm trying to make you understand, are the Jews. That even to this hour, so many of them have not yet believed. Hallelujah. Romans 1.20 For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They are without excuse. What did they hear? The unbelievers, the Gentiles. They have no excuse. Because that when they knew God, through all the things that he has created, they glorify him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain, where? In their imagination, their mind, their understanding, darkened. <laughs> and their foolish heart was what? Darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they become what? Fools. And change the glory of uncorrupted God into an image, made like unto corrupt man, and to build and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also, glory, 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 God also gave them up to what? Uncleanness, to the loss of their own hand, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Praise the living God. God gave them over. God gave them up. By implication, He allowed darkness to fill them because they walk in unbelief. So when you walk in the realm of unbelief, 
God releases a greater darkness, if you will, into your heart. Because it allows you to keep on walking into darkness. The more you go in, the deeper you go into darkness. Hallelujah. You will never be able to find light. You continue to invent things that are not supposed to be invented. Deeper you go. Praise the Lord. And so, the expression, this world, like we begin to see, have nothing to do when he said, the God of this world. He's not talking about this world in terms of, you know, the planet Earth and all of those things. He's just talking about human beings. He's just talking about seasons. I'll show you a scripture on that. Matthew 19, verse 27 and 29. 27 to 29. Very fast there. They answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we are forsaken all and follow thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, They which have followed me in the regeneration, not that, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. So when the Son of Man will sit in the throne of his glory is the time of regeneration. I need you to keep that. You also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribe of Israel. And people are still waiting for this. No, no, no. Look at verse 29. And everyone that had followed me, I mean forsaken houses, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or land, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold. And shall inherit what? Everlasting life. Praise the living God. Now look at the next thing there. I need you to look at that. It's modern. For many that are fair shall be last, and they that be large shall be what? Shall be false. Now, go back to that verse we talked about, the regeneration. The time of regeneration, which is verse 20, verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, because Peter is saying, What shall be our reward? In Matthew 12, it is put this way. In this world, and in the world to come. Is that okay? That world to come is that which is called the time of regeneration. Are you following me? Now let me show you the regeneration. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. The time of regeneration that Jesus was speaking about is clearly written there in scriptures. But after that, now follow this. The kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by what? The washing of regeneration and renewing of what? The Holy Ghost. Did you get that? The time of regeneration is the time of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 2 Jesus was made to understand sat on the throne of his father. And that was time of regeneration. So the children of the twelve disciples, as it were, were also, I mean apostles now, sitting on twelve tribe of throne. In other words, they represent the twelve tribe of Israel. As when the Holy Spirit came. So Peter became a judge, if you will, judging Israel. How were they judging Israel? You go back to the book of Judges. It's not to sit on no particular throne. Huh? But they were giving light to people. They were giving revelation to people. That's what it means to judge. Even as we're talking today, that 
12 apostles of Jesus, they are still judges. You ask me how? If you do anything wrong or you are trying to do, I will say no. According to the book of James. And then we come to an understanding or agreement because of what James said. So you find that they are still ruling even at this moment by the books they wrote down. Praise the Lord. Are you following this? All right. So now, what am I trying to make you understand? The God of this world have nothing to do with Satan. But I'm saying the God of this world blinded the mind of men so that they don't understand. So Ephesians 4, 18 is dealing with the issue of the blindness of the heart of men. Let they receive the glorious gospel. And because they are blinded, they are alienated. They are separated as unbelievers from the light of the glorious gospel. Let me use the remaining 15 minutes to do justice. Praise the Lord. And so, if the glorious gospel is hidden, what's the meaning of that? Essentially, like I'm saying, the light of the glorious gospel, that is to say, they resisted the grace of God, like we find in Tetos. We are saved by grace. Amen? Right. Everything the Lord offered, they resisted it, you know, and pulled away if you will. Now, John chapter 8 verse 12 tells us something very precise. John 8 12. They spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am what? The light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but I have what? The light of life. Period. These guys are walking in darkness because they refuse the glorious gospel that will communicate what? The light of Christ, which is the light of life. Light of life. That is to say, life has light to be able to be lived out. But all those who are not in the light or who have not come out of darkness, they don't have the light of life. Jesus said, I am the light of life. That means the life you are living now is supposed to have light to enable you to live it out. Praise the Lord. And that light is who? It's Jesus Christ. So if our gospel is healed, this glorious gospel about Jesus is not from anybody. It is because the God of this world are blinded their mind lest they receive that glorious gospel and that the glorious light of God will do what? Will shine on them. Hallelujah. So, you may be asking me this question. Does it that mean those the streets will not come in because their heart is blinded? That's what we're saying now. The same grace that you have that enables you to come to the Lord, that grace is still available. That is why you should preach to the man in the streets. You don't go preaching condemnation. Go preach deliverance. What that's supposed to mean? Release light. Remember, we've been delivered from the power of darkness. How do we de- get delivered? Through the light. That came toward our understanding. You go preach deliverance by preaching light to the people. Don't go preach condemnation. Let them know that they have been set free. The Lord has set them free. Their sins are forgiven. But they are walking in ignorance. Then now you've come as an ambassador. To reconcile them unto who? Unto God. So when light comes to their understanding. And they begin to realize 
I'm a child of God. You know what happened like to the prodigal son? The Bible said when he came to his mind. And he said, no, 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 no. In my father's house there are more than enough. I can't be starving here. Nobody preached to him. Right? But when he came to his senses, other translation we say that. And so that tells you what happened in the book of Jeremiah 3. Time is not there for us to read all of this. The Bible tells us that Jeremiah making a statement, speaking to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Say, your backsliding heart shall correct thee. Your wicked heart shall reprove thee. It's from the heart. So the backsliding heart of the prodigal son is what convicted him and said, no, I must go back to my father's house. I can't be eating this nonsense here when my father had more than enough. Is anybody understanding that? All of them in the street, their spirit is yearning to go back to the father. It just requires you to give them a word. Just lead them back home. Just make something get into their mind. Just speak a word into their spirit. Let light break forth. They will come back to the father's house. They come back to church. They will never gain enjoy all of the feet like the prodigal son. Praise God somebody. Okay. Alright, so Ephesians 4 again. Let's just look at that very quickly. Verse 18 now. The Bible talks about having their heart darkened. Therefore they are alienated. So let me rush through this. Uh, Verse 18, Ephesians 4, 18 again. Okay. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from what? The life. That's what I'm saying now. That's what I want you to get. Remember, he's a light of life. So now they were alienated from the life of who? Of God. What's the life of God here? Christ, if you will. Praise the Lord. Are we here? The word alienate actually... Um, it talks about to be a non-participant. That's what I love about it. To alienate, to be an alien. To be a non-participant. Oh, glory. That simply means you can be in church and be an alien. <laughs> uh, let us sink in. You can be in church and be a foreigner. A non-participant. Okay. Look at it. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. We must try to complete with this. Acts 2 42. The Bible says, And they continue steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship. That's what I want you to see. When I was reading it, it just came to my mind. Spirit just reminded me. Fellowship. You, you can be in church and not be in fellowship. That's the most dangerous place to be. I don't know if I get in that. Good. Doctrine of fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Go to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. Glory to God. God is faithful. Everybody say God is faithful. By whom you were called unto what? The fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Can you get that? They are alienated from the life of God. What's the life of God here? Jesus Christ. They are separated by reason of the darkness that's where in their understanding. They are alienated. You can be in church and be a stranger. You can be in church and be a foreigner. You can be in church and be an alien. Once you are not in fellowship with what is going on. Hallelujah. Let, let me read it from the amplifier. And I take it from verse 7. First Corinthians 1 verse number 7. That they are not consciously falling behind or lacking in any spiritual endowment 
of Christian grace, the reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating in your souls by the Holy Spirit. While you wait and watch constantly living in hope for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and is being made visible to all. Verse 8 says, And it will establish you to the end, keep you steadfast, give you the strength and guarantee your vindication. He will be your warrant against all accusation or indictment so that you will be guiltless and irreproachable in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen to that? He is keeping you. Mm. Verse 9. God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore but true to his promise and he can be depended on by him you are called into the companionship and partnership with who? With his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You are called into partnership into fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. How is that happening? Because your heart is being what? Enlightened. Your understanding has been enlightened. But those who are in darkness, they have no fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's the difference. You who is a believer, you have fellowship with Jesus Christ's son. The man in the street who is the unbeliever has his heart darkened, therefore he has no fellowship with, with Jesus Christ. And this is very important that you in your way of living a life in prayers, you should be sharing fellowship with who? With Jesus Christ. Through realms or two realms of fellowship now, you fellowship with the body, you fellowship with Jesus. When you come to church, you come into fellowship. Jesus being the head. But you also come to the place of personal relationship with who? With Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Another realm of fellowship. From being not being an alien. Ephesians 3 verse 7. Time is finished. But I just want to round up this. Because we must go to something else next week. Ephesians 3 verse 7. Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Verse 8. Unto me whom I am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Can we go to um, message translation? And I'm going to read verse 7. Now I want you to catch it because it's very important. There's a fellowship in, in the mystery. That's why you're fellowshipping with the household of faith. You're fellowshipping with Christ. There's a fellowshipping in the mystery. <laughs> Glory to God. Ephesians 3 7, message translation. 3 verse 7. This is my life. Work. Helping people understand and respond to this message. Hallelujah. This is my life's work. That should be your life's work. Helping people understand the things that we are talking about. It came as a shared gift to me, a real surprise. God handing all the details. Handling all the details. When he came to presenting the message to people who have no background in God's ways, Gentiles now, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that 
he had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am preaching, writing about things that are way over my head, the mystery. The things that naturally I can't understand. By implication, where your heart is enlightened, glory, you begin to receive the mysteries from the word of God. You begin to get things that men have never seen before. You will teach and say things that men have never taught before. The man that walks in this mansion of fellowship with the mystery of Christ, he is an alien to those who are actually alien to the household of faith. Hallelujah. So yeah, I'm preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. Look at verse 9. My task is to bring out in the open I make plain what God who created all things in the first place have been doing in secret and behind the scene all along. Revealing the mystery. Living in the ultimate plan of God restoring all things back to himself. Which so many people don't know. Verse 10. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about among evil world, the angels. Praise God somebody. Did you get that? Through you gathering together, even the angels, they have no understanding of God's intention and plan and purposes. They don't even have a clue as to the fact that God wants to restore man back to himself. They are just servant, you are sons. And remember, servant does not abide in the father's house forever. That is why the Bible says you shall judge angels. You reveal the things that they don't know about. The mystery, they have no understanding. The plans of God, the purposes of God. What am I sharing with you? When you come to this place of having fellowship with the mystery of God, you begin to see the ultimate plan of God for creation. What men have never taught you, you begin to see it. Praise God somebody. Are you listening to me? So what we're saying is, the men in the street, they can share fellowship. The men in the street, they can share fellowship with Christ. The men in the street, they can share fellowship of the mysteries hidden from ages from men. But now you're beginning to see them. So I ask you this question. Are you truly born again? Are you in the faith? Have you come to start sharing this mystery, the fellowship of the mystery, the ultimate plan of God, the ultimate purposes of God? Have you come to that? That's the main thing. Have you... Does it come to your mind once in a while? The intent of God. Why God created the universe. Have it come to your mind? What God intends to do right now? What he's doing right now? His plan for the world. Has it come to your mind? Do you see anything there? That is how to share fellowship with the mystery of God. But so many of us know. We are so religious. Praise God somebody. The only thing we know is. Oh when I die I go to heaven. Oh, I got a mention in heaven. <laughs> oh, when I go in Jamaica, it's going to direct me and guide me. Oh, praise God, somebody. And somebody was with me last week and was asking a question. Uh, I said, Pastor, the book of life, I need to know. The book of life. Is that the book of life? Yes. Book of life simply means the book of life. The other one, the book of the dead. It's so simple. And where do you have life? Christ. 
Book of life is Christ. If you are in Christ, you are in the book of life. Philippians 3, Paul said the same thing. Greet the brethren, the fellow workers, Clements and the other sisters whose names are written in the book of life. How did he know Clement's name is in the book of life and yet he has not died? He come to the place of the mystery. He understands the mystery in the world. He sharing fellowship with things that men have never seen before. Praise God somebody. So if you are actually in Christ, your name is already in the book of life. You don't need to die to think about that. No, no, no. All those films you watch, you see, you come in this way, one angel is there, you know, Mm-hmm. And then one big book is open, and then they are looking at it. Uh-huh. He said, um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Your name is not in the book of life, uh, Jeremiah. Uh, go to the book of life. And the Satan come and begin to guide you to hell. What a stupid way of doing things. You, you understand what I'm saying? And then the next thing they read, and I don't know. Okay, um, Michael, Michael, yeah, Michael, your name is in the book of life. You go to the right. One angel just come and then he's taking you to heaven now. Disney, Disney. You know what Disney? Disney cartoons. That's cartoon. <laughs> I don't know if I can remember talking about it. It's Disney show. It's just cartoon. They have no understanding what the book of life is. It's just a person. It's the life of God, the character of Jesus Christ. Praise God, somebody. I don't know if I'm helping you. I'm trying to make you understand. The thing I want you to take home tonight is this. Those who are dark and outside, they are alienated, they are separated in their understanding, through their understanding, that they can't share fellowship with the household of faith. They can't share fellowship with Jesus Christ. They can't share fellowship in the mystery. Glory to God. So they have no understanding as to what God intends to do tomorrow. Praise God somebody. Let me tell you this and, and, and you can take it to the bank. This earth is not going to be blown up. Hallelujah. Is anybody getting what I'm saying? This earth is what it is. One generation comet, another passed away, but the earth does what? Abided forever. Praise God somebody. You're not going to change that. Why? That's why the Bible tells you in Matthew chapter 5. I feel like preaching. And he begins to tell you, the milk shall inherit the earth. The milk, who are the milk? You and I, the believers, the Christian, the born again people, they shall inherit the earth. Praise God somebody. If the earth is going to be blown away, which earth are they inheriting? Ignorance. They have no knowledge. When God created man, he didn't put him up somewhere in the sky. He placed him right here. On the earth, if you will, in the garden. It was in the garden that he placed man. And he said, dress the garden. Keep it in shape. Bring more people. Raise more righteous people. People like me. Let's make man an image and likeness. Now you join with me as a co-laborer. Raise all the people around you to become godlike in their way of thinking, in their way of doing things. That they become the trees of righteousness planted by the Lord. Glory to God. What am I saying with you? When you come to this place of seeing the revelation of the mind of God, you are sharing fellowship with you, with God. In that instance, because your heart and your understanding have been what? Enlightened. You are no longer walking in darkness. I challenge you, as you read your Bible, let light break forth into your mind. Let truth begin to be revealed to you. 
Don't read it, and from this day, you won't read it like you are reading a novel. You read it and seeing the plans of God. Light will break forth unto you. Revelation will come unto you. Understanding will come unto you. You will receive the light of life in the name of Jesus. Praise God, somebody. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. 